Hello. Welcome, Sharon. Hi. Um, Thank you for having me. Sunday. Sorry? I said happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. What a day. It's I know it is. We're getting um we're getting lucky with this global warming lately. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> it's perfect running weather, but then I'm running outside and, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's December. <laughs> yeah, this beard. But this whole year has been um interesting to say the least. But uh here we are finally rounding down halfway through December. Um for those of you who don't know Sharon, Sharon is an amazing human. Um I met Sharon. Actually, we, we overlapped in a lease like three, was it three years ago? Um, we, we were, were living in like a week and a half. Yep. Yeah, I think we lived together for like two weeks, but it was it was long enough for me to realize Sharon was a really special person and uh, we stayed connected. And so um, when I started the podcast, I was like, okay, I need to have Sharon on at some point. So really excited to have you. Um, Sharon has multiple hats, but she is currently um, a rumble instructor. She's a personal trainer. She is um, a social justice advocate and um, TikTok superstar. So <laughs> she has she has many other titles as well. But um, I think my favorite one right now is like how uh, how I mean I, I'm I'm addicted to your TikToks essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I <laughs> I didn't realize my TikTok was gonna take off like that, but it's it's a good hobby for me to have. <laughs> it is, and it like it really captures your essence. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I can be myself on there. And and when I first got TikTok, it was like, you know, nobody has this app. Nobody you know has this app. So I can just do whatever I want and be crazy and whatever. And then and then, you know, a few months later everybody has it. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> I know, that's like the funny part. You're like, oh okay, uh, I guess a few more people are watching this than I thought. And we'll get into it at the end of the episode. Yeah. I have some um, some questions for you around that because I just, it's it's hilarious. And <laughs> it, it sounds like you're causing quite a stir. So we'll, we'll get to that. Got some answers for you too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I really wanted to have you on here today because you have such a unique story and um, multiple triggered to life moments, like the way I see it. But I kind of wanted to start back with, um, you know, what did you want to be growing up versus who your parents wanted you to be growing up? <laughs> I, um, when I was younger, I, I wanted to be myself, but I wanted to be an actor or a singer. Some, okay. some, something where I'm like presenting, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even as a kid, I loved performing. I like put on like, there's like VH VHS tapes of like me dancing in the house, like putting on like Christina Aguilera concerts and stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, I feel like that's what a lot of ch like children have, like lofty aspirations. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, now as an adult, I'm, I'm still growing up. So nothing's out of the question. Um, but, you know, my parents wanted me to be like a lot of, foreign immigrant parents wanted me to go to law school and be a lawyer. Um, so, and I mean, both great paths. I, I, um, not that I was disillusioned at a young age, but I would say that, you know, people were like, oh, that's not realistic. And that's mm -hmm. how I thought until, you know, I, you know, I had my, one of my trigger to life moments when I left my job and I was like, no, I can, this is like, no one can tell me how my life is supposed to be written. So, mm. you know, I'm 29 right now. And, you know, there are people who are saying around me, oh, well, you know, you're too old for this or that, or it's too late to do learn this or that. I'm like, no, it's not to who, <laughs> to who right? So um, I'm still growing up. So um, that's my, that's my long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. I think um, I, from, from what I've, I've heard, obviously I, my parents are not, um, are not immigrants, but there is a lot of pressure, um, you know, culturally to be X, Y, or Z. I mean, I'm, I know my parents wanted me to just be happy. I don't really think they like thought like, Oh, you should be a doctor. I'm like thinking like, I don't know if they <laughs> thought I could be a doctor, <laughs> but I imagine that pressure is a lot to hold, especially as a young kid. Yeah. And I think 
I feel like a lot of children of immigrants feel this and and it's because mm -hmm. you know the parents came over sacrificed so much and so not that we feel indebted but it's yeah. more like from a young age we've been taught that happiness is financial security and mm -hmm. and happiness is status in America right and so yeah. um you know a lot of immigrants always feel like othered and so in order the, the mentality is in order to be respected in this country and make it you have to be at a certain position or a certain respectable position but again I mean I'll go back to this I mean to who right like yeah. who respectable to who and by whose terms right yeah. um I feel like a lot of children of immigrants have that struggle mm. And it's an ongoing struggle. And, you know, as you grow up, you learn to kind of take charge of your own story and, you know, learn how to reach over and cross those cultural barriers yeah. and cultural differences. Um, and you can't make people, you can't change people's perspective by forcing them to, you know, you can't lead a horse to water and dunk their head in it, you know, yeah. um, like that take time. So understanding all those conversations. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a ride. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think the, I think it's been fun to watch you. I mean, like I know you in person, but I also watch you on online and there is not that many, I mean, there are, but there's not a ton of people, Asian Americans boxing and a female boxer at that. I just remember one thing that really stood out to me when I was living with you for a week and a half is that you would drive like two hours to go to a boxing gym in Springfield, Virginia. And that's just not something like I forgot because I would be like, wow, that girl goes during rush hour to this boxing gym in the middle of nowhere <laughs> after like an eight hour day. And like, why? Like what, what is that drive within her that like makes her need to like go there? And so you started boxing in like 2017 or like 2016? Yeah. Okay. So what about that year made you want to start boxing and what made you drive like two hours to go boxing? Um, I know that was crazy. Cause I lived in DC yeah. I worked in Arlington and then I would go train out in Springfield, then drive all the way back to DC at night. It was bananas, but it was worth it. So I'm, I'm a big believer of everything happens, you know, not, you know, everyone says everything happens for a reason, but I, I say more of like everything happens the way it's supposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. so I was first introduced to a boxing class in 2016, shortly after I had finally stepped away for good from a, from a abusive relationship. So mm -hmm. it wasn't in, you know, the best place with myself. I was kind of lost. I was younger, yeah. you know, and, and I was still just kind of figuring myself out. And so, um, <laughs> my friend dragged me out to this class Yeah. and, and while I was in a slow place and I was like, damn, this is cool. You know, like let out all this aggression, but I'm someone who's like, if I'm doing something, I'm all in or I'm not in at all. Mm. I, I <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to know technique. I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So I don't hurt myself and all that. So I signed up for, I was like, I'm going to get one personal training session with mm -hmm. uh, coach. name is Julian Morales. He's still He's, he's in Virginia. So if you're looking for a good boxing coach, he's, he's okay. like, I started with, um, and then the rest is history, right? So, you know, I <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole because I, I found it and then I was taking classes all the time. I was doing PT all the time. And then it just kind of turned snowballed into, you know, the, the staff were like, oh yeah, people come to the front desk asking while you're in session, how can I look like that? And it's been getting us clients. And then, you know, after a while they're like, people, people like, do you want to start teaching class? Like you teach class, all, I mean, you're taking class all the time. So then yeah. I got and and then after that, people love your class. Do you want to take personal clients? So then I then I got my certain that. So it, it was it was just like one thing led to another. Yeah. Um. And 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 I feel like the drive in in going to to train with this specific person and and everything that I was doing in relation to boxing, I think is really important to express that it is a sport that breaks you down mm. while building you up at the same time. So it keeps you humble because there's at any level at a professional level whatever there's always things to improve on but it it keeps you humble but builds your confidence at the same time and for for someone who was just getting out of an abusive, abusive relationship like that gave me so much power not outward power, but like internally yeah. um, and so it's contributed a lot to my mental growth um 
so that's what drove me to train with the people I train with and um, go where I needed to go in relation. Well, it's so interesting to hear that. Like the second you got into something that was like, obviously has become a huge part of your life. Like the clients came, people wanted to work with you. It was just like a snowball effect. Whereas like, that's how you know you're exactly in the right place. Where yes. And, and it, it, if something's for you, you don't have to force it. Right. So so like a snowball or like, like a river, like the current, it just went that way. And I just, I went with, I didn't fight it. Yeah. I love that. Um, so a year after you started boxing, like maybe a year, year and a half, uh, you decided that you were going to quit your corporate finance job and transition fully into fitness. Um, you call it Coachella, which was hilarious oh. because you had like gone to Coachella and like, then you, you, <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Um, but tell, tell, tell us about Coachella and tell me how your parents felt about that. Oh God. Okay. So I named it Quitchella because I put in my two week notice after I came back from Coachella and it wasn't like spur of the moment. I had meticulously planned that. I was like, all right, this is Coachella. And when I come back, I'm going to drop the news. Boom. I'm out. Right. So, um, I, I, however, I knew I was leaving at the beginning of 2018 because okay. when I got my certification, I got it back in January. I didn't leave till May. So I was like taking the steps and, and for a few months I was juggling both. So I was training clients and then I was going to my trainer and then I was, you know, working the nine to five. So it was just a lot, a lot yeah. going. Um, so when I finally decided to leave, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm rotting, you know, at my desk, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was sitting in a puddle of my own wasted potential. Right. So <laughs> how does that feel? <laughs> It feels like you're, it feels like something sticky is just holding you down. Mm. No matter how high you try to get your vibrations outside that nine to five time, when you're in that office, just the energy, you feel it change around you. Yeah. Um, so, so I was doing both for a little bit and I, I just kind of had this, not epiphany, but something that just came to the forefront of my mind. I was like, well, if I can be good at a job that I hate, right? Cause I hated the job, but I was getting my annual bonuses. I was doing great. Uh, you know, I was the youngest person on my team, I believe. And I, I said, if I can do great at a job that I hate, what would happen if I put eight hours a day into something that's pulling me something that I love, right? Mm-hmm. The possibilities are endless. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I made the decision in the winter of that year. And then by spring, I was like, let's, let's just go to Coachella, you know, like, let's make it like the, the best month and, and, you know, make it as kind of carefree as possible. Yeah. Obviously, when I left and made the decision to leave, put my two weeks in, like, I don't think anyone took me seriously. And then once I was like, no, today's my last day. Like, my two weeks are in. Yeah. My family was not happy. Um, it, it's taken years for me to mm. get used to the fact that I'm, I'm the one who's going to break a lot of generational ways and a lot yeah. of uh, probably even ancestral, like, ways of thinking and um, just way of living life and perspectives. Yeah. Um, so now I'm in a better place with it, but when I was, when I was leaving, it was not easy. So, and, and I can see their perspective, right. As a parent, you yeah. live in a country where you don't speak the language, you don't, you don't have a cent to your name. So you build a lot out of nothing just so your kids can have what you believe to be a successful life. Right. And so they're like, we sent you to college. We did this. And, you're, and to them, they're like, you're throwing it away for what? To teach boxing, you know? And they're not hip to the how, I mean, it's 2020 and, and even in 2018, like how lucrative the boutique fitness industry can yeah. be and how much of a platform it can give you. So it's like you, it, I saw something online. It was like, how can you expect someone to understand your vision if they don't, if they haven't like lived the same experiences? You, like you can't, you can't ask for directions from someone who isn't going to where you're going. So um, it was difficult. A lot of arguments, a lot of tears, mm. a lot of resistance, a lot of misunderstanding. At the end of the day, it was all out of love, right? But yeah, it what it was though, it, it was they were they, because they loved me so much. They were projecting their worries onto me, mm-hmm. right? And I would be lying if I said I wasn't worried genuinely because they're like, "What are you gonna do about insurance? What are you gonna do about you know your four hundred one k? What are you like all everything that you built after college? You know." Yeah. And I had those questions too, but it's like, 
you're either going to develop cobwebs like figuratively by waiting on on, and thinking of these possibilities or you're just gonna go right so um it was it was a difficult time and even now sometimes I'll get some like snarky comments like oh well if you had stayed at so and so then you wouldn't be in this position right but I I'm in this place now where I can kind of tune it out yeah you know stay on on what's important to me yeah well especially I think it makes it easier when you've actualized all the things you intended to actualize granted it's a global pandemic and some things have shifted a little bit but I mean the trajectory prior to that was exactly what you had imagined and I think it's still trending that way it's just we have a few months of you know well we'll get there um part of the journey it's part of the process I love every part of it yeah um so my next question for you is okay so getting out of an abusive relationship and finding that boxing is one of the biggest passions in your life that sounds like a trigger to life moment to me right but then also leaving your job and what has been like culturally expected of you that also sounds like a trigger to life moment. And then like following your dreams and getting furloughed during a global pandemic, that also sounds like a trigger to life moment. So like for you, what feels like, what impacted you the most? And you're like, shit, this, I will never be the same because of this moment. Like which one of those moments, or maybe it's something different is that moment for you? Um there's so many i've a lot of personal growth going on the past three four years however i would just say the most recent when i got furloughed right because it's to the action of a company furloughing their employees is not personal right i get it like how can they pay us if and keep us on if everything shut down however because my heart is so closely tied to my work it became personal in that it was something like, but I can't say in the past, like I gave up all this to do this and now it fell apart. So I, I immediately just flipped the switch and was like, okay. And this was before like the whole world switched to zoom. Right. So I was like, okay. And I think I was doing Google Hangouts. I was like, all right, I'm doing everything online. Um, and it made me, the fitness industry in itself is never going to be the same. Right. So yeah. this really sh- <laughs> this at the beginning of quarantine one of my friends posted on his instagram story he was like okay all right trainers all fitness professionals strap in like this is really gonna show like this year is gonna show who's got the chops to compete and who really who really like is in this for the right reasons yeah. right um and and so i feel like covid changed a lot of things career-wise however even with relationships mm-hmm. um, i i feel like once I lost a lot of the hometown lifelong friends that I've had, mm. um, not in a spiteful way, not in a hateful way, it's just yeah. accepting the fact that my life will never be the same because that chapter is closed. Mm. Because, because these because these people, as great as they are and as great as our memories were, they will never, they're, they're not, we're not understanding each other. They don't see mm. things the same way. I see it. And it doesn't always have to, we always have to agree on everything, but there's some non yeah. like human yeah. rights, everyone have equal rights, things like that. So, yeah. and, and I just knew that I wasn't on that cookie cutter path, mm. nothing wrong, right? There, yeah. there's, there's a way to, you can absolutely have a fulfilling, amazing life following whatever path you need to, whether it's conventional yeah. or non-conventional. But for me, it was just clashing every time we would hang out. So COVID really just kind of, triggered my like made me reevaluate my relationships as well um and so I don't think I'll ever be the same because and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on because I know you're probably asking because I've been very open about my mental health but you know fear has triggered a lot for me mentally and you know I I I fell into depression and and being open about that was was Mm -hmm. difficult it is still difficult um so I and this was my first time ever dealing with a mental illness myself. So COVID has really impacted my life forever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I noticed right off the bat was, you know, in Sharon Kim fashion, it was like, okay, let's do this Zoom thing. Let's get this really fucking organized. 
I'm going to have my spreadsheets out and like tallying how much exactly I'm going to make this month. And I'm going to pay my rent. And like, I'm going to bring you along for the journey. And I was like, hell yes. Like it was really fun to watch because you don't, you in, in fitness, like you don't always get that, like super organized, like, you know, um, you know, you don't get both, both ends of the spectrum. So someone who's like really organized, but also like, I don't know, which I think is why that like finance to fitness uh, transition is so, I mean, it's so valuable, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, you were on Zoom, you're making it happen. You, I mean, it was really fun to watch. And then, um, you know, everything that has transpired with Black Lives Matters and protesting and um, really getting out there and, and, and standing up for what you believed in. I mean, it's, it was so much fun to, um, just witness someone that is as visible as you online, really standing up and speaking to what you believe in. Um, and that's not really something I thought about with you with like relationship wise of like, oh, well, you may have lost relationships because of how vocal you were. I mean, is, am I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but does that, was that the case? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. So it's, it's crazy because I, I grew up in, you know, suburban area. Um, but Northern Virginia is very diverse. You'll have the Salvadorian immigrant living next door to the country club, you know, owner or something, you know, and then you'll have like the self-made, Vietnamese family next door to them you know so Northern Virginia is very diverse so for me it was it was very eye-opening and disappointing and honestly hurtful to hear some of the things that people would say to me yeah just for posting a specific story Mm. even making like light jokes about Karen's you know Karen culture you know and and so you know, there's this saying that a general post will trigger or hurt a guilty person. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anyone's good or bad or guilty or whatever. It's just, you know, I've had these conversations with these people ad nauseum. Um, and some people, I'll bring it back to that point. It's like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I started therapy that summer yeah. <laughs> I was a lot. Um, and so I knew this, but to have a therapist say it to you in person hits a little different. You can't change people and Mm -hmm. you can't change people unless they themselves want to change. And so even if everything you're saying is right, and that's the thing with this whole, um, everything that's going on in the landscape and how polarized this country is right now, it's, it's, or I believe it's like, you can say everything right. You can have all the facts. You can back everything up with numbers and whatever you bring to the table. Right. But they're not going to hear you because, so it doesn't matter. Right. So, um, and that's the thing you can't change people. So, um, it's been, it's been a very interesting year. However, what I think the beautiful thing about pain is, is pain makes you refocus and pain makes you reprioritize pain makes you kind of reshape. It's like, it's like cleaning out your closet for spring. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it hasn't been easy. However, when it comes to the protests and all protest, isn't, fun. it's not, it's, it's dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. it's violent, it's traumatizing and, you know, not violent on the protesters and, you know, every, every uh, protest I was at, you know, we we're peaceful. Um, but just to witness that, it's just not fun, you know, and, yeah. and, you're a lot of it's a lot of fight or flight it's a lot of anxiety so it wasn't it's it's not a fun situation but I knew that okay when it comes to something of this scale and promoting change on this scale money talks right so every, there was a point where everyone was donating to uh, legal funds this that, and the other and you know I donated what I could but I, I was like I I'm also financially struggling like I'm yeah. unemployed and I couldn't get through DC's unemployment system because they didn't have the capacity to get everyone through. So everything was jammed. I wasn't getting unemployment. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I'm, I can't donate anymore. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to get my groceries this week. Yeah. You know? so, um, I was like, so where am I best? Where, where am I of best use? Yeah. 
right? You can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yeah. So I was like, well, I live in the nation's capital. I live steps away. I can just walk over, you know, and, and I'm a presence and I'm aware of my presence and I'm very passionate and I, and I have a lot of fire. So where's that best use? I'm going to use my body since I can't talk with my dollars, but I don't have it. <laughs> um, to go out there and take advantage of the fact that I live close. And also yeah. it's it's one end where you're like, you know, we're protesting, we're we're taking up space. Yeah. And then the other end is I tried to document, but it's crazy when you're there. But I, yeah. I also wanted to document some of it to be like, this is what's really going on. Because yeah. there are things that the news isn't gonna show you. Yeah. And, um and I think people needed to know that this is yeah. going on, you know, two blocks from where you're at, or yeah. you know, you're eating brunch at this spot, but you know, down the street, we're getting pepper sprayed. Yeah. Two different Americas, five minutes away. (laughs) I know. I remember like walking to the protest and like looking over at like Le Diplomat and being like, this feels off. The (laughs) contrast. Absolutely. So, um, it's taught me a lot for sure, but I knew, like I said, everything happens the way it's supposed to. I think, um, I, I wasn't expecting, well, I didn't really think I just went, but I wasn't mentally prepared for what could have happened and things that did happen. Well, what stands out to me so much is, um, and this is one thing that I was not realizing myself, which is like, I was under a lot of stress as well, like in the spring and going into the summer. And then as soon as the protests started happening and I was going out to them like every other day, what I realized is I went into an immediate trauma response. And so my thoughts just became, started to loop all the time. And I didn't realize that I was mentally um, finding myself in a really, really bad space. And I had to actually stop going to as many, you know, protests because it was just triggering something in me that was, that was not going to be okay for my mental health long-term, which is not something I think, thought of when I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go stand up for what I believe in. And so I'm wondering if that, um, if you find that that attributed somewhat to your, um, your trigger into depression. I think it absolutely did because I I think I had depression longer than I thought I did. Um, they probably in May is when I had it, but I was my therapist is like, you're really good at gaslighting yourself. <laughs> and so I was always like, no, I'm just, I'm just tired or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overreacting. I'm fine. Right. Yeah. And then once, you know, I'm sure you feel this way too, because uh, empaths, we feel pain as our own. Right. So, totally. So when George Floyd happened, it wasn't just, Hey, George Floyd happened. It was after Beyonce, it was after Ahmaud Arbery. Right. So it became too much. And, and <laughs> I think that's when something switched in my brain, even before I started going out to the protest where I, I was like paralyzed and my roommate would like see me outside, like on our deck, just laying down, like not even like moving for like hours and be yeah. like, Hey, are you going to pick yourself up off the floor? So I, I didn't consider whether my type of personality, my type of emotional depth would be able yeah. to handle a protest type of environment mm-hmm. in the hard way. Right. I was going every day and, um, and sometimes they were great. Sometimes they were peaceful and yeah. you just never know what to expect. Like some days when you don't bring your goggles, you'll get sprayed. And then when you bring your goggles, nothing happens. You're like, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and so, um, that's when I started therapy. Cause I was like, something, something's wrong. Like I know yeah. myself and, and something like it's not right. And so, yeah. um, my therapist was like, you need, can we set some boundaries because you still have to preserve you. Yeah. And my therapist is that reminder to self-preserve, self-prioritize because you can't give your best if you're not at your best. So I was dwindling in that aspect because, you know, I would be protesting till like 2 a.m. and then I would teach a 7 a.m. class the next morning, right? And that's a lot of like, it's not fake, but you still have to be that. You're giving energy. So I was giving energy here, there, everywhere. (laughs) And so um, I think it, I think it definitely contributed to the spiral because the opposite of play is not work. The opposite right. of play is depression. And I read that in Renee Brown's book, uh, and when I read that, I was like, that's so true because I did not give a single second to myself to enjoy life, even though, yeah. and, and part of me was like, how could I with everything that's going on in the world, you know? Um, but 
self-preservation is the most important thing. And so I, I started going once a week because I, I was telling my therapist that I was having a lot of night terrors. Mm. Dreams that I would wake up in the middle of the night, like sweating, like being chased, sprayed, like batons. Like I, I was just seeing a lot over and yeah. over the night. And so to re-enter that environment over and over is very triggering. It's a constant loop of trauma, really. And yeah. so, um, I finally had to stop going. So I went from every day to like every other day to once a week to, to just stopping altogether and, and just really, you know, part of the resistance is rest. And part of the resistance is being able to experience joy. And, um, I kind of was like, okay, now I know myself better. I can't handle these situations. So my, where my best of use here now. Okay. I'm going to be a supporter. I'm going to be, I have a platform. I'm going to use this to, to bring, I'm going to use my voice to give to black creators, black brands, um, you know, and educate people and, um, and provide resources because I I'm aware that even though people may not like everything I post, they're watching. I'm aware they're watching. Yeah. I can use my voice to keep this issue at the forefront of people's feeds so that they can't ignore it. So that ignorance is not bliss. Um, so that's more of the role that I kind of fell into, um, and more of balancing it out because change like this never happens in one day anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to think about the concept of immobilization. Like you are not of use to anybody if you become immobile because of, you know, emotional overload, right? Like if your system is flooded, you're not helping anyone, right? So like preserving yourself is really important because we do need your light. And, you know, it's, so it, it's admirable, admirable, admirable to, to see you actively think like, okay, this isn't working, but like, where else can I make it work? Because I still believe in what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a role to play, right? Like, so if you go to a restaurant, not everyone can be the chef, right? So <laughs> a very simplified <laughs> way to put it, you know, but not yeah. everyone's going to be at the front lines protesting. Not yeah everyone's going to be able to donate regularly. So where can you, where do you fit in? And and having that awareness to know in any situation where you fit in somewhere and know what your role is. That's so important. Yeah. What is it like to um, have or experience depression when you're being, when you're known as like the motivator, like the one that like gets the, you know, like I think of like, if I feel like a little depressed, like I go to a workout class because I expect the teacher to make me feel like a little better, right? Like I'm feeding off that energy. So what is it like to, you know, experience depression when you're known as the motivator? I, I pride myself in, in being a great writer and being great with my words. <laughs> I had, I think, I think I had a perfect SAT writing score. If, it, if it's not perfect, oh, yeah. but I say this because I'm really good at finding the right words to convey the right emotion or to convey the right idea that I'm trying to get across. But when it comes to this specific topic with having depression, being the motivator, I don't have a word to describe this level of excruciating pain, which Mm -hmm. is crazy because I, I feel like I've been through a lot of other painful things in my life as have many other people. Right. But, but this is the reason why it's so much more excruciating is because it's, it's a silent, invisible, and where do you where do you feel that kind of pain in your body it manifests everywhere Mm. like from your bones to your muscles to your to your skin to weight everything right and that's what people don't realize and um I I feel like I wasn't always putting on a show because it wasn't fake anytime I taught anytime I turned it on for people it was genuine but it's kind of like you know, it, it's kind of like swiping in a, a, a energy credit card that I didn't have. Right. So, so I'm, I'm giving, cause at the end of the day, when people go to the workout class or when they take yeah. The class, yeah, anybody can teach a squat, you know, but yeah. they're coming to your class, they're paying yeah. for your energy. So at the end of the day, the interaction is an energy exchange. 
So I'm a big believer in, in that room at Rumble too, like whether it's a sold out class of 60 or just people, like when they leave, I, I really feel like we absorb some of their energy or whatever that they brought into that room that they need to let out. And then they take some bars, right? And, and that's yeah. part of the show. Like, I love doing that. I love helping people feel better. And yeah. so to have that position to be constantly thought of as like this positive person um, and then to kind of feel like I can't, live like say my truth because i would be perceived as weak yeah or be perceived as you know n- not not that type of quintessential fitness person that people yeah. idea you know think of that was really difficult and mm. even when i did even when i did like publicly come out about it yeah. the amount of gaslighting and unintentional gaslighting people had mm-hmm. you know it it that it it pushed me lower and lower and lower mm. because I felt like I was screaming but nobody was hearing me. Mm. I was speaking English but nobody here spoke spoke English. That's yeah. how it felt. And yeah. and so you feel more and more and more isolated in a year where yeah. everyone's already isolated. Yeah, and I'm introvert, so I thrive off of human interaction. So yeah. I was having a hard time, and it's crazy because it is one of the most isolating mental illnesses but you realize it's so common yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. People, unfortunately struggle with depression and and it's it's not normalized enough people yeah. are so talking about who they hooked up with or what their sex life is about or yeah. or when they had strep throat but how come we can't talk about when your mind was sick yeah so, yeah so that was kind of like wait a minute why why is no one, you know, like, and there, you know, some people prefer to silently struggle or silently handle. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to heal. But for me, I know if I can't express myself, I feel like a cage bird, just the way my personality is. And, and I'm someone who thrives off of expression and, you know, I, I, you know, my TikTok, (laughs) everything. So I I felt like I was suffocating and too high myelon while you're suffocating is is completely draining and it's it's really painful it's really painful yeah yeah is there a sense of freedom in um kind of uh dismantling people's perception of yourself yes (laughs) i i feel like my whole life has just been switch up on people right like you're like oh actually i'm not who you thought i was and like like even when i was get into your mold yeah even when i was a kid like i always wore like you know my parents dressed me like girly clothes or whatever you call girly right but then i would always be like in like in preschool my mama picked me up i would always have like worms in my hand like i was always just like the wild card and then you know in high school you know i was in orchestra but then i was like boom i'm gonna play lacrosse yeah (laughs) And so, you know, and then, so everyone thinks, you know, small Asian lady, like that's the generalization, not that yeah. I agree with it, you know? So, so the perception, especially with, that's another subject with Asian people in the corporate world, we take up mm-hmm. so much of the workspace, but how many of us are in um, leadership positions, right? So mm-hmm. the, the perception is that we just kind of stay in our lane, stay quiet, make our yeah. money, the model minority myth situation, right? Which yeah. is not even true. It's just, it's just a a brainwashing type of thing to make Asian American immigrants think they're closer to whiteness. <laughs> but mm-hmm. point is, and so then I switched up on that. I said, Nope, I'm leaving. <laughs> and yeah. I'm doing boxing like yeah, constantly. And so with, with this depression, I've also found that some people prefer that I, people like me better when I'm down and it shows. Mm. And so to fight this has been so difficult and, just to completely switch on people all the time. Cause some days like depression is, it comes in waves. Yeah. And I'm not going to hide that. So some days yeah. when I'm going to make a TikTok and I have that creative energy. Other days, I think people know now if I'm not posting, like people are like, what's going on? Like I people know. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I do, I do like that. Like keeping yeah. people knows. Um, yeah. But at the same time, everything I do is for me. And yeah. I have to document it. Those who want to follow along for the ride, great. Yeah not I'm not for everybody yeah how do you how do you re-get to know yourself as someone who is not who you were 
four months ago? Like what, it, do you have practices to like reacquaint yourself with like the new you? Cause like, I imagine that's, it can be kind of confusing when your identity changes. Yeah. I, um, I spend a lot of time with myself mm. and when I say I spend a lot of time with myself, I don't mean I'm binging Netflix or yeah. you know, whatever. I, um, I do a lot of thinking when I drive, like sometimes I'll go for drives or when I run, um, yeah. just to have a quiet time, just to reacquaint what has changed. Mm. Do I have a version of me? What mm. can be improved? Um, what's, what's, what in my life is meeting me with resistance? And differentiating between is this some type of resistance I push through, or is this some, some type of resistance that isn't speaking to me that is in my calling, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, just to have that constant reevaluation and and being being able to sit with yourself and your thoughts, and not always want to numb with, you know, whatever the mechanism is, right? Yeah. Um, that's been really important. And so I also another thing is I started writing things down, and there was journal, and I was like, I don't know how to journal. Like, what's the you yeah. know I. Always, was like a rule and like certain notebooks you have to get and really yeah. not like she's like why don't you just start with just write whatever you were feeling at that moment and yeah. and then, it, then one thing turns into the next one action turns into the next action so I write things down a lot and so yeah. I'll always back. like even even from what I wrote in August I was looking at that last night I was yeah. like wow I've changed so much since August yeah I love so that I do you write your, on your phone or do you have like pen to paper both I have and then I also send emails to myself. So I, I probably have a whole library now. <laughs> um, so yeah, my notes section in my phone is crazy. Um, and then Heard. I have, yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, if I die, don't ever read my notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, read them. I got <laughs> read them. Cause I, well, I'm a big like Myers big nerd and like astrology nerd too so I'm like I have like I ask everyone what their Myers-Briggs is and what their um like sun sign rising sign is and I like put it in my nose <laughs> oh, I love it. wait so I what's your, um, you're an Aries rising um what else what's I, I forget what else you are I learned all this this year I knew I was a cancer sun but I didn't know about like rising and moon sign until this year yeah. I was like oh, this is so much sense so my sun sign is a water sign and that's like my empathetic side right yep. <laughs> which is it's visceral. It's yeah. uh, cancer. Um, my moon sign is a Sagittarius. So I'm always wanting to explore, always wanting to be learning new things. Which makes mm. sense. Rising sign is an Aries. And then I have a lot of Leo placements. Mars, okay. That makes sense. It's, it's, it's like my sun sign is water. Everything else is a fire sign. <laughs> mm. I, what's your, um, what's your Venus in? My Venus is in Leo. <laughs> ah, okay. I love that. Yeah. So um, when it comes to like Venus, Venus is how you show love, right? Yeah. Like how, yeah. Like how you show up in love. Yeah. So I'm, if I'm with someone, I'm very proud to be with them. <laughs> Let's just say very Leo. Yeah. I love that. Um, what is it like to, you know, I've, it appears that you've gotten a little, you've gotten back into dating, which, um, <laughs> What is that like to date when you're rapidly changing as a human? Like, you're like, this is me, but I might be different next week. Like, what does that look when you're dating? It, it looks like this. Keep up or get, get with it or get lost. You know, and because it's, it's like, I'm I'm assuming that the person who I'm seeing is doing work on themselves too, mm. right? If you're not how do, you for, how do you vet for that? I don't necessarily vet, but you can just kind of tell. I mean, cancers are kind yeah. of psych, you know. But, um, but you know, you just kind of see what they do in their free time or how they spend their time. Do they sit with themselves, or are mm -hmm. they always, you know, not nothing against drinking because I love wine, you know. But are they always drinking every weekend, or are they living for the weekend? It's just like things that they drop in conversation. Yeah. Um, but I will say the dating game in DC is 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 difficult. <laughs> notoriously difficult um but there are some there are some good guys out there <laughs> I love you know I love to I love to hear that I love um well, I guess it's the perfect time to talk about your TikTok stardom because you've been ruffling a lot of feathers with your DC dating like um little vignettes of like what a guy on hinge is like and they're hilarious so if anyone doesn't follow Sharon on TikTok like you've got to like run right over there because 
I mean, I just, I laugh all the time, but I especially go on to TikTok to look at Sharon's, what's next? I get little alerts on my phone that say when you posted something. You're um, so <laughs> But lately the ones about DC, you guys are, are, are especially funny. And um, do you think that it hinders like, uh, do, do you guys find that funny or are they like scared? Like, oh my God, she's going to make fun of me. It, I would say it weeds out who is informed me right because the type of people if you have egos that fragile i'd be like no because here's the thing if there was a female equivalent like oh um like the second it's all pumpkin spice oh i love rosé i love brunch i'd be like okay and yeah let me bask in my brunch and my rosé let me have it you know i wouldn't i wouldn't take it as like a personal oh you can't you know like you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And that's what a lot of my TikTok is. Like I even make jokes about my mental illness. Like that's how I cope with humor, you know? So you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And 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 honestly, that's just the trend I was seeing. Everybody seemingly is a consultant. And um, surprisingly, when that, I actually had no idea that was going to go viral because I hadn't been making TikToks for a while because the yeah. depression had gotten so bad that I, I just didn't want to do anything. And I didn't yeah. have creative juices or motivation um and so but now now i'm doing better thank god yeah normalize medications too like they don't change yeah. so um the, the medication has helped so much now i'm like finally motivated to do things again so yeah well it's, it's, it's so apparent even in the last month like your presence on tiktok like i was like oh she's back like thank thank god like i, I did miss you but He's i was back. like oh He's it back. makes sense that like you didn't feel good enough to make them yeah, I wasn't. So, you know, when I was, I made that TikTok, I was like, I mean, it's been forever since I made one. So like, this probably is just going to get like a hundred views and whatever. And then, you know, yeah. I get a DM over her DC and then um, crazy management consultants, like all these different like meme accounts are like, Hey, can we use this? Hey, can we use this? I was like, oh my God. And so what, what happened was my DMs were crazy. Like all these guys started being like, oh, well, you know, I am a consultant, but they have this kind of like, I take it as a challenge. Like I can prove you wrong type of thing. Yeah. And then um, I was on a date last night. He's not a consultant, um, but he, he, it was through that viral TikTok that we ended up going on a date. So it's, it's, it's just crazy. Cause people are like, take the joke and think it's funny and, and, and use that as the way in. And then some people just can't take a joke, girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I totally get that. Well, it's funny now. Cause I see you being like, it's a joke. Don't worry. You know, and I'm like, really? She has to say that. But I, I mean, obviously you do because people get very sensitive. Very. Um, uh, how did you become such a good dancer? I believe it or not, I've actually never had formal dancing training or anything. I, um, I remember too, when I was younger, I asked my, my mom, put me in like every class, like diving class, swim class, whatever. And I asked me to put in dance class. She said, no. <laughs> and so I've always been able to, I think musically, I'm really inclined. I played piano for yeah. I think, 13, violin for 10. So I can catch a beat, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I feel like in my Instagram, but I really do feel like I'm a movement artist, like movement yeah. is my artist. And, and, you know, professionally what I do is, you know, when people hire me as a trainer, I, for movement through my art, that's how I make them feel yeah. better, or how they want to look or whatever. So um, it's just another form of me you know, expressing myself. And yeah. when I first started TikTok, though, I don't know if people know this, but I was really sick before the lockdown. I was quarantined a month. Yeah, they ruled out COVID. They said it was just a really bad sinus infection, but who knows? So, yeah. so I was crazy because like this was before lockdown. So I just got TikTok. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this to pass the time because I'm not well enough to go back into work yet, but I can, yeah. I can move. The antibiotics yeah. working. So, um, and then in two months, it, it jumped to 11,000 and I was like, what's going on? You no. Know? And cause a lot of TikTok personalities have like a schedule. I'm going to post yeah. this many a day. I'm going to post this type of content. I'm going to yeah. use that. I just kind of didn't have an objective. I was like, I'm just going to have fun on here. And yeah. I feel like that's part of why I have 14 and a half thousand followers now, even yeah. with my from TikTok, it's because I don't have an agenda. And I think people yeah. can see that and feel that it's, it's real. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just so authentic and, and, uh, it's fun to see that. Like, I remember you saying, uh, TikTok is still like a platform where you can actually just be yourself. And there's like, 
and that attracts people and like whereas like instagram has you know the algorithm and all these different things like i don't know i i find that to be fun and it, and it does show because it's so playful and it's like i don't know i mean tiktok is one of those things that i'm a little addicted to but i don't go on it too often because it's addictive but um yeah you're like you go to the next the next the next it makes you feel really good yeah you laugh you learn like a lot of my news is coming from TikTok now. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm, I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's a plethora of like different genres and whatnot, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's an inter interesting medium and it's been fun to watch you flourish, flourish on there. Um, you. <laughs> you, uh, you spoke a little bit about this, but, um, you know, driving, writing, um, what other self-care things are non-negotiables for you? Like making sure that you are showing up for yourself first. Like what, what does a day look like? You know, like how much self-care do you work into a day to, to stay optimized? Um, especially in the beginning and the end of my day. Some, mm -hmm. I mean, the day middle gets crazy. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's not perfect. It's a constant process. It's a constant practice. Yeah. Um, not like boom, self care today. I'm good. You know, it's it's yeah. constant practice. It's a constant work on yourself. Um, I I love Y Seven and Y Seven went online. A lot of other yeah. So um, it's hip hop yoga. Play some Frank Ocean and just flow. Um, I love to run, and I wasn't a distance runner really, and I'm still not. not but, um, you know, just even if it's cold out, like I'll I'll go run and get some air um and one more thing actually for myself now that i'm more aware of what i need and what gives and takes for my energy is at least once a week make sure to see one friend at least one friend yeah. and my therapist kind of helped me come to that um like not requirement but like i guess weekly goal or another method of self-care because yeah. for someone like me i'm very extroverted and so yeah like I have my moments where I need my alone time, you know, and, and I have that, but there needs to be a balance. So, um, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll having friends after college is difficult because it requires more effort. Yeah. You, know? you have to put the effort in, you have to show up. Right. Um, and so I make sure I do that, even if it's just getting coffee with someone. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also just prioritizing who gets that time. Mm. because time is that one non-renewable resource. You will never get that time back. Yeah. So, um, another thing of my self-care is just making sure I see the right people mm. every week. Yeah. I like yeah. Especially as a people person, it's so important to feel that connection with someone. Mm -hmm. um, so moving forward, uh, if you had unlimited capital, what would you do? I'll give it away. Easy. I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I, I, here's the thing. Here I am studying certain because I don't know how to say, it, but I was making a very comfortable thing. Yeah. Uh, when I was at, you know, my corporate job, because they'll, they'll pay you a lot to do not fun work. Yeah. <laughs> and to protect a stock brokerage, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was making a good amount of money, I was traveling a lot and whatever. And then when I made the switch, I was like, wait, wait a damn minute. I'm leaving town every weekend to travel. Traveling is great, I love traveling, but yeah. I was like, am I just doing it to get away from my job every weekend? Cause I'm really yeah. unhappy, you know? And so when I decided to leave, I, I knew that I was gonna go back to making nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, and then before Rumble at Equinox days, those, <laughs> Those were crazy because we were making minimum wage. And yeah. I went from, you know, reporting to vendor management committee to um, to picking up kettlebells and passing out towels, you know? So I wasn't a budget, you know, but it was a big change. And, and, and for me, I was like, listen, like, I don't need a lot. I just need yeah. to pay my bills. You know, I need to be able to eat. I need to yeah. be able to, you know, have a decent standard of living. But otherwise, yeah. There's some, there's something called financial gluttony, you know, some yeah. people are financially obese, but you know, some people aren't ready for that conversation, but you know, yeah, like, what you have, yeah, what you have, you give and what you yeah. know you, do. so yeah. 
you know, and even now, like I'm technically still, I mean, I'm self-employed because now I'm own business, but you know, technically I'm still unemployed, you know, yeah. um, but I'm still making a point to, if I'm taking another fitness professional's yoga class, I'm going to pay or yeah. I'm gonna pay for my friend who decided to home make a tie dye shirt, you know, and, and because it's like, you can't think of, oh, I have to hold on to the money I have. There's yeah. always more be made there's always a right. so if I had unlimited oh my god that I would just give it all away yeah and I would keep maybe like you know a couple grand to myself a month so I can you know live and eat yeah. ramen <laughs> yeah I love that um what is so where can people find you because you know you're you're still doing amazing things over zoom right and um so tell people a little bit about that because um, if you haven't taken a class with Sharon, it's, it's an experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like my attention to detail really shows when I, when I uh, teach a class. So yeah, I teach classes yeah. on Zoom. You can find me at the Sharon Kim. There's a lot of Sharon Kims apparently. So I couldn't just have Sharon Kim. I had to put the in front of it. I like that. No. <laughs> um, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, TikTok is Skimmy Turner, but, um, you can find my, TikTok through my Instagram. Let's see. So, so yeah, when it comes to my personal training client, my private clients, I'm I'm very selective about who I take on. I don't mm. want to do it myself, but I also always think to myself after my onboarding process, like that, I basically interview them and yeah. find their injury history, you know, everything about you. And and I always think to myself, would I would I get drinks with this person on a Friday night? If the answer is no, I'm not going to take them on because then how is that any different from me doing a job I don't like? You know, mm. I have to enjoy the person. And so the energy has yeah. to be right. It's dating, yeah. right? So, but the clients that I do have, we've been together the whole time, like for years now. I mean, I've only yeah. been in the industry for two and a half years, but since the beginning. And yeah. some of my clients waited for me to get back from New York. To yeah. me. So my private clients, like you can always reach out and we can always go through the process, but it's like, it's gotta be a good fit. It's gotta be a good yeah. fit. I love that. It's, I always, my friends always make fun of me because most of my clients I mean, like almost every one of my clients is now like a personal friend, but you just become really close to people that you work with often. And it's like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to, of course, like you want to keep a certain level of professionalism, but, um, I, I don't know. I think that's the joy of like working one-on-one -on -one with people. Yeah. So I would say if you want a trainer who cares about you as a person and doesn't just see you as a before and after transformation picture or like yeah. a number on a scale, then hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, what is, who is one person right now that you're just in awe of? Oh, let's see. Who am I in awe of? Like just expands you to be like, wow, like I, I see, maybe like you see part of yourself in them and it makes you want to like be maybe not like more like them but you feel like okay if they can do it I can do it so I have a friend her name is Akina Nubra I'm gonna just shamelessly drop her she's I think she's only like 24 25 okay. um, she just graduated from Georgetown Law and um she just started at Sidley big firm you know crazy work hours um, yeah. but she started this nonprofit called the playing field project because mm. um it basically provides access to change the legal landscape. If you think about people in positions of power in the legal world, it's mostly white men. Yeah. So um, it starts from the beginning of the process where black people, brown people, Asian people, everyone need the same level playing field, mm. right? So they provide assistance, guidance, uh, you know, prep for LSATs, things like that. So just by her, just watching her do that, you know, hire her marketing people, you know, she's a founder yeah. and juggled that with school and starting big law. It's just yeah. so inspiring to me. Yeah. And that's one thing I want to take away too, is age doesn't matter. Like I'm inspired yeah. by people who are younger than me all the time. Yeah. I'm inspired by my clients all the time. So, but yeah. one person right now who's expanding me is Akina. She makes me think about yeah. you know, potentially the legal world and, and yeah. how you can have a bigger reach and ascend to a deeper level of helping people mm. through that work. Yeah. 
Um, so if you need, if you look up the playing field project, I will, I will, and we'll link, we'll link that below just so that people can check that out if they're interested. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. I love that. That question, I wasn't going to ask that question, but it just popped in. I'm like, that sounds, it feels, it feels cool. and it sounds like it was, um, amazing Sharon. Well, this was so much fun. I have so enjoyed talking to you. Um, check Sharon out online. She's just a bundle of of fun and realness. And we love that around here. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yes. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And if you're listening at home, I love y'all. Uh, thank you, Sharon.